I wake up on a daily basis, I count this money up, I'm already rich I go so hard with riches, I fell in love with the Doty I fell in love with the Rolly, I wake up, pray every morning What's going on everyone, welcome back to the Intermission Podcast I'm your host Alex, this is the first ever NBA podcast on the Intermission Sports We're going to talk a little bit about the NBA draft and the NBA free agency I am joined by a lot of special guests. We have, first of all, we have Don. Um, Don, can you introduce yourself? Yeah, my name is Don. I'm a third-year journalism student here at Ryerson University. Uh, I love the Raptors, and I love the NBA. So I'm super excited to be here and talk about, you know, NBA free agency in the draft. Next up, we have Dua. Dua. I would just like to say that I don't appreciate the fact that Donnie got to go first. I'm going um, off of who's right under me. So, like, next is Rob and Thomas. And then if Drew pops back in, that's how it's going. Okay. Well, I'm Dua. I'm better than Donnie at everything. Um, and I, I proclaim myself Alex's journalism mom. But, yeah, also a Raptors fan. Um, arguably bigger fan than Donnie. But, um, yeah, that's me. Third-year journalism student. All right, next up, we have my boy, Rob. All right, so my name is Rob. I'm a Steph Curry enthusiast. Been a basketball fan for a while, and I just can't wait for some more basketball after a two-month hiatus or so that we've had now. And obviously, you know him already. Every week, he's dropping the hottest takes in the NFL with his power rankings. Weekly co-host on the NFL Intermission Podcast, Thomas, what's going on? Good. You know, glad to be on the basketball podcast. Love talking about some basketball. It's different because I'm usually talking about football, but it'll be a good change. And last but certainly not least, the head of graphics at the Intermission Sports, my boy Andrew Yang. What's going on, Drew? What's popping, man? Let's get this party started. First pod episode, you know the vibes. Yes, sir. And with that being said, let's hop right into the NBA draft. So obviously, draft was a couple days ago. We didn't know exactly who was going first. If you look at the Intermission website, um, our Instagram, actually, we all had LaMelo going first. That didn't happen. Also, Chris had Cole Anthony going fourth to the Bulls. And to be honest, they took, they took flowers, which wasn't too much of a stretch compared to Anthony. So I don't know. What do you guys think of the draft? Let's start with Don. I think I, th- I was expecting more like big trades and teams to like kind of trade out picks when guys didn't go their way. But I was really surprised for the first 15 picks, basically the whole lottery and a little bit after, no one traded out. Everyone drafted a guy that they liked. So I'm guessing each team was really set on a guy like Denny fell. Some guys went higher. Some guys went lower. Like, I guess teams really fell in love with the guys that they wanted. And were like, we're just going to draft them when we have our pick. I think I'm just going to say I'm really surprised Lamelo didn't go first. I not talent wise, but just hype wise, because if you think back to a couple years ago with um, his brother, uh, Lonzo Ball, he, yeah, he like, he went, he went pretty high up and he did he went first, right? Did Lonzo Ball go first? He went second. Okay. Um, sorry, I'm like blanking. There's a disgusting mix of Red Bull wine and soup in my stomach. Uh, but uh, like, I want to say there was so much hype around Lonzo Ball when he was uh, when he was coming out 
including like the drama with his dad and like just him saying like dumb stuff but i and then the whole thing that happened with their brother and him not making it to the nba i thought that lamello ball was going to go first solely because there is so much hype around him that why wouldn't he go first you know but like don said like everyone kind of just stuck to who they really wanted and they fell in love with the players that they wanted and then got them I don't know how that's going to play out in the season um I don't know how that uh, first pick is going to play out in the season I'm excited to see it happen um whenever that is but I I don't know if it's if it's going to play out well for sure I think Minnesota Minnesota's always been a very odd team when it comes to drafting they haven't hit on a ton of picks I mean they drafted Carl Anthony Towns but if you look back like Andrew Wiggins was you know he didn't really pan out to what everyone thought if you go back even farther than that 2009 they have two picks in the top 10 they take Johnny Flynn and Ricky Rubio before taking Steph Curry so two point guards they they swing and they miss on that so Minnesota's drafting history indicates that Anthony Edwards might not be the guy. However, I think they did make the right pick in terms of drafting based on need because if they're going to take Wiseman, that would kind of be weird with Carl Anthony Towns. And if they were to take LaMelo, that would be weird with D'Angelo Russell. So I think Edwards fits better. But overall, I think the biggest takeaway from the draft is how much better a few teams got in the East, such as the Sixers, and how much worse uh, and how much better some teams in the, the West got, like the Mavericks. I think that a lot of teams have clear goals moving into the season. Uh, the Sixers, you know, they appoint Daryl Morey from Houston, and he has a clear plan, you know, get more shooting around Ben Simmons. So they trade for Seth Curry. Um, they drafted uh, Maxi, which I think they – I believe they traded, possibly not, but then they traded Al Horford earlier in the week. So I think the Sixers are going to be a serious contender next year when you think about how much better their team is going to be built uh, with more shooting. They got Danny Green, Seth Curry. Uh, they're just going to be a much better team. And I think the East is going to be much stronger next year when you're looking at it from top to bottom. Uh, Milwaukee improved. Uh, Toronto got a little bit worse by losing Surge. Miami stayed about the same. But overall, it's, it's going to be a pretty balanced year, I think, for each conference. So I think the, the teams that drafted all had a pretty clear goal going in. And they executed. Yeah, talking about the draft. Um, yeah, like Robert said, Anthony Edwards fits the team better than Lamelo would. But I'm surprised. I thought Lamelo would go first, not just because of the hype, but because of marketability around him. He can like he's one of those players with so much hype around him. He can like reignite a franchise, help become a bigger market. So I'm surprised. Like, I, I'm sort of surprised Anthony Edwards fits the team better because, you know, he's an absolute stud, and they already have D'Angelo Russell. So, and, like, James Wiseman wouldn't fit the team either. But overall, I thought it was – it kind of played out the way that I thought it would. But, yeah, I thought it was a good draft. Every team got something that would help them out pretty much. And, yeah, for me, um, I just have, like, a number of things to bring up. So, personally, I thought that the top three – would trade their like at least one of them would trade let alone the top five which is really a surprise for me i really thought you know minnesota and charlotte would make some moves but unfortunately they didn't um and just like the general idea of like the top 10 for me i think it played out pretty well 
Um, my only concern are for two players, Anthony Edwards and Devin Vassell. Anthony Edwards, for obvious reasons, you know, when he released that statement that football was actually his passion and not basketball, that was the reason I, why I put LaMelo at first. I originally had Edwards first. It was Edwards, Wiseman, and Ball. But then I changed the last minute just because of that one statement, and I regret it. Next, Devin Vassell. So, solid player overall. I had him going top 15. But the fact that, like, I don't know. It's just, I've seen videos of him playing. Solid player, very solid. But it was just his jump shot that threw me off. I don't know why, but it's just me and players' jump shots. If their jump shot is broke, like, I don't care if it goes in. That just doesn't sit well with me. But, hey, if it goes in, it goes in. And, you know, my final point, um, yeah, just a lot of surprises in general, but overall a pretty solid draft. Just to add on to what Don said, um, each team went with the player that they thought that would best fit them, and I think they made the right moves to do so. Yeah, um, I also thought Anthony Edwards was probably the better fit for Minnesota. I did have him going first until that statement came out. If you didn't see the statement, Edwards came out and he said, um, yeah, football's – he basically said football was cooler because you could do dumb celebrations, basically. And he said he didn't hate basketball, otherwise he wouldn't be playing it. But I kind of just thought of another Andrew Wiggins. As Canadians, we know that Andrew Wiggins has the talent, but he doesn't always go out there on the floor. Unless, against, unless he's playing against the Miami Heat and he drops a 30-piece in the game winner. Don't remind me of that. But – um. Yeah, I think Edwards right now is the best player in the draft. And I just can't believe that Michael Jordan selected LaMelo Ball. Last year, a couple of us, I know Drew and Thomas was there. We were behind the Tim and Sid set at the Raptors home opener. And LaVar Ball was there. We started chanting triple Bs and he even came up to us. What a time to be alive. But no, like, I think it's, it wasn't, I thought like the draft was going to have more movement for sure. I thought more deals were going to go down. I thought a little bit more drama would happen. Um, the Chicago, I think they made a stretch on their pick. But what I really want to talk about is what's happening in free agency because a lot of moves happen. As Raptors fans, we're going to play a lot of Drake the next couple of weeks because our boy Surge left. So no more beef penis here in Toronto. But what do you guys think? Yeah, it was, it's been an interesting free agency so far. Like the Hornets spending big on Gordon Hayward even though he didn't put up any numbers really in the playoffs. And what was that contract? Like three years or four years, 120 million, something like that. It was some, it was something crazy like that, but at least the Raptors did something good. Signed back Van Vliet four year, 85 million. That was a good deal. Secure him. I think that like if Van Vliet pans out, if he gets more minutes and he pans out and he becomes even better, that's going to be a really good deal in the future. And um, also signing Aaron Baines, good pick and pop center. He's kind of a bit of a downgrade defensively from Serge, but it's still good. You still get a good center. You can shoot the three. Fits the play style of the Raptors. Losing Marcus Saul, it kind of has positives and negatives because um, he was such a defensive. He's such a defensive demon. Like I, I remember I read this stat where they had like the highest defensive rate in the NBA when he was on the floor, but at the same time he was kind of a liability offensively. He was so slow, and his post game isn't what it used to be when he was in Memphis. And also, like, sometimes he'd hesitate to shoot the three as well. So 
that's kind of my takeaway so far from the Raptors, at least. What do you guys have to say? I'll piggyback off of that with the Raptors. I actually kind of want to disagree with you a little bit. I don't think Aaron Baines is a, um, a downgrade defensively than Serge. I think Serge is actually a little bit overrated defensively. I don't think he has a step anymore as a rim protector. Aaron Baines is a big body who can rebound really well. He protects the rim really well. The big concern with Aaron Baines is his health. He only played 20, I think he only played half the season last season, and he's only playing about 25 minutes a game. But I think the biggest thing why the Raptors pivoted to Aaron Baines after losing Mark and Serge was team flexibility. Something that hasn't been talked about when it comes to the Aaron Baines signing is Aaron Baines is on a two-year contract, but the second year is a team option. So the team can decide to not bring him back in order to keep that flexibility for cap space. I think losing Serge and Mark definitely hurts, and it, it's not going to go well from that point of view, like Aaron Baines and Alex Len and, you know, if DeWan gets in there and, you know, Chris Boucher, like that's definitely a downgrade positionally wise. But I think losing, I think losing Serge and Mark is good for the future because you're providing OG and Pascal and more specifically OG, like shots. And that's the biggest thing that we need to see. Uh, well, not we, but the Raptors need to see, is the Raptors need to see continued improvement from their young guys in order to make a run at Giannis or Bradley Beal or Victor Oladipo, one of these big free agents, to show that they're still, even though the Raptors are good and this core is still good, that they can still continue to grow as a team. Just going to piggyback off of what Donnie said. Um, I think that losing Marcus and uh, Serge Ibaka was huge. Um, yeah, we lost both of them to their respective LA teams. But um, what I think the Raptors did good in this case is that they kept their eye on the prize per se and re-signed Van Vliet. Hopefully that doesn't that doesn't end up like that. Losing um, Serge and uh, Mark was bad, yes. But they kept their eye on the prize, and they kept Van Vliet, and hope, hopefully that works out for the better. Um, what they did good in this case was signing Baines, and they didn't make a huge move. Like, I know Gordon Hayward signed already, but if they were to do a bigger move like that, it wouldn't have left enough cap space to bring in someone bigger in, in 2021. Um, and I don't want to be, like, a lost cause and say, like, Giannis to Toronto, but, like, maybe Giannis to Toronto in 2021? Like, you know, like, maybe, like, he might stay in Milwaukee, um, who knows, but, like, if the option is there, by not signing someone humongous, like a Hayward per se, they left cap space and having the team option on Baines left cap space to bring in a Giannis type bigger figure next year. I think the Raptors don't have 2020 in mind. I think they're moving. I, Donnie said this earlier. Their goal is in the future. All right. So I'm not a Raptors fan, but I admire them as an organization. And I like Masai Ujiri and Nick Nurse as um, a coach and GM. I think the Raptors losing Serge was big because he does a lot of little things that don't necessarily show up in the stat sheet. Um, like he's, he's durable. He plays good in the playoffs. He's a good, good on defense. He can shoot all that. 
I think he fits their culture well, but losing him is big. Aaron Baines is okay of a backup in terms of a replacement because he could shoot at least. And his defense is pretty good if the goal is to take out Seth Curry's wrist. But overall, like, I, I don't think the Raptors will change too much. I think they'll still be a top four seed and they'll probably, you know, win a playoff series, probably lose in the second round. But I don't think they really care too much about 2020 because they have their eyes on bigger prizes. Uh, maybe Kawhi comes back in 2021 after losing in the second round again with Paul George. Who knows? Um, but I think that a team that is being overlooked in the East is the Hawks. And I think that they're big winners of free agency. Um, so first of all, Trey Young is just going to continue to improve. I know he's not good on defense, but as a playmaker and scorer, he's top tier. They add Danilo Gallinari, who's a little bit older, but he can definitely stretch the floor for them and help. Uh, so I, I have them as a playoff team going into next season. Uh, Danilo Gallinari, John Collins, Trey Young. They add Bogdan Bogdanovich. So I think they're being very underrated because I think that they're finally going to have a winning season for the first time in a long time as all their young players start to develop and they add some, some good vets to go along with that. Yeah, I just want to bounce off of that. The Hawks, in my opinion, one of the biggest winners of this year's free agency. You know, they got Rondo and Bogey. I think Rondo's going to do a great job about teaching Trey the ways of the defense um, as Trey is lacking in that department. However, he does make it up with his half-court splashes. Um, and I also want to talk about L.A., the Lakers. The moves that they've made, they've just created a super team within, what, how many days of free agency? They got Mark Gasol, the second Gasol, to play on the Lakers. Shout-out to Kobe and Pau. Um, you got Montrez Harrell, another monster big man. One of my favorite big men in the league. Underrated, as a matter of fact, in my opinion. Um, Wesley Matthews, great, th- great 3D player, great solid all-around player, someone you'd want to have on your team uh, that can really, you know, make a count. Um, and just other some small points, you know, DeMarcus to Houston, questionable move in my opinion, but hey, DeMarcus can do whatever he wants. I just really hope he can get back into that Sacramento groove. Um, Crowder leaving Miami was kind of sad, but as a Suns fan, I love that move for Phoenix uh, with the addition of Chris Paul and now Crowder. You know, I think the, uh, the Hawks can make a good push for the eight seed, which I'd really like to see after the bubble performance. Um, and Steven Adams to the Pelicans. I feel like him and Lonzo can create a new point guard center duo, one of the best in the league, in my opinion, and up and coming. Uh, Dwight to Philly, another great backup center for Embiid, just in case something happens. Uh, Christian Wood. Moving to Houston, I think Houston got a great big man in Christian Wood. You know, also, side note, Christian Wood, great for fantasy points. I had him on my team. Nice. And finally, Oubre to Golden State. You know how Golden State works with them light-skinned boys. They do nothing but score. And it's a good-looking team, basketball-wise and looks-wise. You know what I'm saying? Okay. Being (laughs) – being – um maybe possibly don't want to assume but the only one in guys here i will say that if golden state didn't have enough bandwagon fans already kelly Ubre jr kelly mr steal your girl will um 
take all your shorties in 2021. He's on Golden State now. More bandwagon fans, more jersey chasers. They're all after light skin Kelly Oubre Jr., including myself. I will not lie. Hide your wife, wow. hide your kids, because Kelly Oubre is coming to take them all. And okay, that's a that's a, a little love. Steph's Finals MVP again because they're going <laughs> to rob him again. Guys, guys, okay. Opinion: Do who if if in some alternate universe, Golden State makes it to the finals and they win, who gets MVP? Steph. It has Steph. to be Steph. I think that 100%. the NBA knows, like. The NBA knows that they messed up in 2015, and they know that Steph has been to five finals and has been this good. I think they'll just give it to him, like as long as he just plays good. Clay's gonna get it, and Clay's not even playing this year. I, that's what I was gonna say. Clay's gonna get it. They're gonna give him a sympathy award. All of all of Golden State could get it. I just want to mention Speaking something. Draymond. 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 I think a very <laughs> underrated team this free agency was portland they swept harry giles from the raptors i wanted him i think he would have been a, a pretty good fit and they not only got him i think they overpaid a bit for Derek jones jr he wasn't even in the rotation for the heat he's a he's a decent he's a pretty good perimeter defender and the dude can fly i mean he's got bunnies for days but i don't know i think they they didn't get any worse they definitely got better they re-signed carmelo um, obviously, Derek Jones Jr., um, they got Giles. It's, it's a nice-looking team, and everyone looked – like, a lot of teams are either looking like they're going to, like going to compete now or, like, I think the Heat and the Raptors were keeping their cap kind of in-house, and then they're looking for the big picture, which is 2021 when all the big boys are coming up. Another underrated uh, acquisition for Portland is Robert Covington. He is probably one of the most valuable assets in the league because he's been traded, I think, five times in the last, like, four years or so. He went from Philly to Minnesota to, um, to, where, to Timberwolves to the Rockets. Now he's on the Blazers. And he gives them that great 3 and D presence. He can hit open shots and also take on the other team's best, best perimeter player. So Portland's going to be good. I think they're going to be a top-five seed this year. I think Damian Lillard's probably going to be in the MVP conversation the entire year. And I think they can really take the next step. This is really their year, I think, because the past three or four years have just kind of been disappointing. You know, they get to the Western Conference Finals and they get swept. And then last year, you know, they, they win that game one and they kind of just lose the next four. They get gentlemen swept. So I think this is really Portland's year. Yeah, Rocco is a really good acquisition. Like you said, one of the best um, perimeter defenders in the game, good three like good three and D player, and I looked at the stat and he has like the best defensive rating as like a perimeter defender. I, I'm trying to see what it is, but it's I think it's the best defensive rating for a perimeter defender. So it's a great acquisition for them. I wish he was a Raptor. I don't really know what else there is to say about the Raptors. I just think they're going to be a solid team next year. I don't think that they're going to win more than a playoff series. Uh, I don't think that – I think their younger players will continue to get better. But other than that, I don't see too much from them next season. I don't have them at the top of my list for getting Giannis. In my opinion, I think he's going to re-sign. Um, but who knows? He could leave, say, if they lose in the first round this year to, like, an underdog, like, I don't know, pick a team in the East that's at the, at the, that's at the bottom. You know, Gordon Hayward gets revenge on them or something in the first round. Charlotte – 
sneaks into the eighth seed. Who knows? Uh, so if Giannis leaves, I don't think he would go to Toronto, but Toronto can have their aspirations and dreams, but I wouldn't put them at the top of the list for the Giannis bid. And I don't really want him to go there because I don't, I'm not a Raptors fan, but I know you guys would be happy about that. I just wanted to talk about Victor Oladipo in free agency. I think he'd be a great pickup. Kind of like he is kind of a superstar. Not really. He's just a star, but he's such a great defensive player. He drive the rim, has a good shot. It's not like the best shot in the league, but it's a good shot. And he plays really good defense, which I think would be a great fit inside the Raptors. Even though injuries have kind of killed his value, we saw how good he was a few years ago where he was averaging like two and a half steals a game, putting up 20 points a game on the pace. He was putting up some big numbers. So if, if the Raptors were to sign Oladipo and he could kind of return to the form that he was a few years ago, the defensive demon and score that he was, I think he would be a great addition for the Raptors. Um, I think Oladipo can help the Raptors possibly, but I don't know if he would be worth the money that he's maybe asking for at this point. Because, yeah, his value has declined if, like, as you saw in the first round against the Heat, I know he was a little bit hobbled coming off an injury, but he really wasn't the same player that he's been two years ago, similar to Gordon Hayward. But I think, you know, he would be a good pickup for a contender. I think he can definitely help a contender. He's not going to bring down anything. But for the money, I don't know if it's necessarily worth it if the Raptors are really looking to develop their young players and possibly sign a big free agent in the future. I've heard rumors. I've heard rumors. Me, I I read an article, and apparently I'm a, a Malik insider now, and I've heard rumors. Um, but like Oladipo to uh, Orlando, that might be a. It's happened before, hasn't it? We can Photoshop his jersey and everything, eh? We already have the jersey swap going. <laughs> I was gonna say uh, you would probably have to check the cap numbers on that because I'm pretty sure Orlando is pretty close to the cap paying Aaron Gordon and Vucevic. And I think Jonathan Eisen, Isaac's going to get his big boy extension at some point. But I want to go back to Oladipo. My thing with Oladipo is I'm not entirely sure what his market is. I think he can be a guy that can get vastly overpaid for what he's worth. My thing is the injury history. I'm I'm a little skeptical about that. And But, he's a, but given the amount of teams that are kind of hoarding this cap space for Giannis, or anyone else in 2021, LeBron's off his deal. I don't think he's leaving the Lakers, but Kawhi's off his deal. Paul George is off his deal. There's so many cap, there's so many open spots for cap space that Oladipo could be a guy that someone like kind of chomps on early. It's like, we need Oladipo, or it could be a guy that's kind of left without a team. And, you know, he ends up maybe taking like a one year deal with a player option to figure out, it's like, let me bet on myself again. And, I don't know. I really don't know what's going to happen in 2021, but I'll say this. Oladipo is going to have to play extremely well, and Indiana is going to have to shock a lot of people for him to get the money that he's looking for. And personally, I think Indiana is the most boring team in the NBA. They don't do anything every single year. It's the same stuff every single year. They got swept this year. They got swept last year, I'm pretty sure. It's just not they're, – they're white bread. And I mean that as a joke, but I mean that kind of seriously. They they bring nothing. It's going to be the same thing. They're going to be good. They're going to be frisky. Some NBA experts are going to be like, watch out for Indiana in the playoffs. And then they're going to get swept again. So I think this is this is my hot take. I think Indiana needs to retool. retool. Let, let Oladipo go and 
figure it out. Trade one of Sabonis, trade one of Turner. I'm just tired of seeing the same Indiana team go on and on and on with the same same result every single time. Yeah, I'm going to have to agree with you on that one. Before we hop into the Lakers, because we have a lot to say about this Lakers team, um, Oladipo definitely had a market at one point. As you know, Heat Twitter loves Photoshopping everyone in their jersey, and I don't know why, but they all, like, they had Giannis's kid into it in a jersey one time. That's, I don't know what was happening with them. But, um, no, his market's definitely dropped a lot. I think he definitely hurt himself, no pun intended, playing in that playoff series. But, um, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what his market is. I wouldn't be surprised if he does that uh, one year with the player with the player option just to see his market. But let's talk about the L.A. Lakers. Obviously, they just won the NBA Finals in six games, beating my Miami Heat, pain. But, no, they had two of probably the five best players in the NBA with Anthony Davis and LeBron James. And what does a team that's super good at basketball do? They go and they get more players that are also really good at basketball. Huge move getting Dennis Schroeder. I've always liked Schroeder since I played 2K15. I love the hair. The, the best German basketball player after Dirk, possibly. And um, not only that, they didn't stop on Schroeder. They went after Montrezl Harrell, who I thought would have went to the Raptors of the Heat. Of course, I'm a homer, so I'm going to think that. And they got Marc Gasol. You know, I'm not surprised Gasol went to L.A., his brother has been one of the better Laker big men in the last 20 years, won championships in L.A., and he's definitely has, he definitely has an influence in L.A., so I'm not surprised he went there. What do you guys think about what happened with the Lakers? All right, so I think the Lakers are being a little bit overrated right now, and there's a few reasons for that. So the first reason is that if we really look back at their past playoff run, I feel like the West in this past year – they didn't face the competition that they're going to be accustomed to facing possibly next year. They avoid the Clippers. Uh, they play a, a midget Houston team in the second round. So that's really, those are really their toughest competition. And, you know, AD can just go to work against 6'6 PJ Tucker. So it was just a, a match made in heaven for the Lakers. And then the finals, they faced an injured opponent and it still goes six games. So, and that was the first year with LeBron and AD together. So they're ultra motivated. We've always seen this. Like the first year Katie joined the Warriors, they were ultra motivated. They, they lost one playoff game in their entire run. Then 2018 comes, teams like the Rockets push them to seven. And you can see that they're not necessarily – the motivation is a little bit different. Like they, you know, don't take the regular season as seriously. You know, in 2017, the Warriors won 67 games. In 2018, I think it was around like 53, 54. And it's not like the team changes that much, just that, you know, players get a little bit complacent. So – I think that the Lakers made some great signings. I think Schroeder's their best signing by far. I'm not going to lie. I'm not a big fan of Montrez Harrell. I think that in the NBA, you need to be able to do at least one of these two things to be a valuable player. You need to either, one, be able to play defense, or two, be able to shoot. And if you can't do either, I think your value has gone down. I think the ultimate example of this is like Duncan Robinson. He doesn't play defense, but he's, he's going to shoot 45% from three. And then the opposite of this is um, uh, Andre Roberson from the Thunder a few years ago. He was a lockdown defender, but he could not shoot for his life. Like, I think I could probably beat him in a three-point shootout. But with Montrez Harrell against the Nuggets, he was getting absolutely cooked by Nikola Jokic, and he can't really do too much on defense, and his offensive game is a little bit limited because he can't shoot. So I think he's a good bench player, but I think people are overrating him because he won six-man of the year. 
and because he was playing basically starters minutes on the Clippers. But on the Lakers, I don't think he's going to have that same role next to AD unless they want to play AD at center and Montrose at, at the power forward position. But I think that that signing is a little bit overrated to me. Um, and then they sign Wesley Matthews, which is a good pickup. I mean, you can't really complain there. And then they get they lose Dwight, they lose Rondo, and they lose Danny Green. And as much as Lakers fans slander Danny Green, like he's still an important piece to their team because he shoots threes. He at least requires some defensive attention. You can't just leave him wide open. And he's all right on defense. But losing Dwight and Rondo, for anyone that watched the playoffs, I think Dwight was Dwight and Rondo were the third and fourth best players for the Lakers on their championship run. So we got to see if Schroeder and uh, Trez are ready to step up to that role in order to help them win another championship. Now, what I got to say about the Lakers is pretty much, I think, what everyone else thinks. Um, I know very mainstream train of thought, but last year, I know as a Raptors fans, I'm a little bit biased. I had the Raptors winning it all, but Jolly Green Giants of Boston said no to that in seven games. Um, I mean, man, LeBron is like Thanos, man. He just he's just collecting all the infinity stones during free agency and he's just making all the moves. He is he is le GM, as Chris Move would say. Um, I think that the Lakers have acquired all the right pieces to not that they've they aren't championship contenders, which they are. They've just increased that chance of winning a chip this year, in my opinion. So very straightforward, my opinion. Lakers are gonna repeat. And uh, you know what? Anthony Davis, finals MVP. He got robbed this past year, in my opinion. So you guys bring up like Dennis Schroeder and Wesley Matthews and Montrez Harrell. And those are all really important additions. But there's one guy that you left out. And I think he's probably the most important addition out of all of them. And that's Mark freaking Gasol. Mark Gasol may be not the same player that he was in Memphis. He may not be same, the same defensive player of the year that we saw seven years ago. But Marcus Gasol is still a really talented and valuable basketball player. A front court of LeBron, AD, and Marcus Gasol, who's scoring on that? Please tell me, because I don't, I don't know anyone who's scoring on that front court. And I think Marcus Gasol is probably the starter out of day one, and Montrez comes off the bench. Yeah, Montrez comes, probably comes off the bench. And that's probably the best thing that you can do with Montrez, because Montrez is playing behind Zubak, and Zubak is nice, and he has a little connection with Kawhi that they developed. But Zubac isn't Mark Gasol. He doesn't have the he may be better he may be better than Mark Gasol at this point of his career. But he doesn't have the knowledge and the IQ of what's going on in the basketball court that Mark Gasol does. The Lakers are really going to benefit from Mark Gasol's experience, and obviously going home not home to LA, but where Pal is, where his brother is. This move was bigger than basketball for Mark to go to LA. And the other point that I really want to bring up is I think acquiring these players. Dennis Schroeder and Montrez in particular, I think their moves for the beginning of the season compared to the end of the season, because I truly believe LeBron is going to sit out for part of the beginning of the season. And we know the West. The West is really competitive. You, you miss a step, you're down. We saw it with the Lakers two years ago when LeBron came back. They couldn't get back into the playoff picture when he came back from that groin injury. So I think Montrez is going to benefit from playing with Dennis Schroeder, and Dennis Schroeder is going to benefit from playing with Montrez. Because like uh, like Robert said, Montrez really can't really can't create for himself. He really relied on Lou to create for him last season with the Clippers, and Dennis Schroeder is kind of 
that same player like listening for each other. And both of these guys were top three in well, Montrez won six man of the year and Dennis was in the top three, I believe. So even though even though maybe it doesn't make sense from a playoff point of view, I think this is something for more at the beginning of the season, you know, working out the kinks of like what the rotation is gonna be to they'll probably figure it out by the time it's the playoffs. Because at the end of the day, it's LeBron. And LeBron usually figures it out. Maybe not all the record doesn't always show that, but usually he figures it out. So the Lakers are obviously going to be top tier contenders next year. There's no doubting that. But let's talk about the other side of the the aisle, the Eastern Conference, which I think will be very competitive next year. A lot of teams have improved. We have new contenders coming in like the Nets. But let's talk about the team that's won it the past three years, but hasn't lived up to their regular season name in the playoffs, the Milwaukee Bucks. Um, they've obviously had the two-time MVP the last two years in Giannis. However, this past year, they lost in five games to the Heat, which was almost a sweep, if not for Chris Middleton. So for the Bucks, I think that the Drew Holiday trade, I think they did give up a lot, but I think it's worth it because this is really it for them. If they disappoint this year and Giannis doesn't sign that max extension or at any point this year, they really just had to go all in this year. So it's okay if they lose a few draft picks in the future, um, if it means a chance at keeping the best player in their franchise's history since, like, Kareem. Um, so I think that the Bucks did really good with that trade. Drew Holiday brings a veteran presence that can play defense, hit the open shot, play make. And they lost uh, Eric Bledsoe, who I, don't, I wasn't too high on. I don't think he fits too well with Giannis because he's not the greatest shooter. So I think the Bucks are going to be first in the East again. And I have them losing in the second round, probably to the Heat or... Yeah, um, definitely. The Bucks are always kind of that one team that they come into the season and they're like, yeah, they're going to win the regular season in the East and then they're going to go to the finals. Everyone says that. Every year I come out and say, no, they're not because there's three teams in the East at least that can build a wall around Giannis because there's no one else. Like Chris Middleton will have his on and off where he'll score 30 in one game. Keep in mind that was against the Magic when he did it. Now, Drew Holiday, I'm really high on him. I think he is an upgrade over Bledsoe. I thought Bogdanovich would have been really nice, but there was some tampering possibly involved. And with that tampering, they might lose draft picks. Also, he's going to test the RFA market, so that trade is not going to go through. He is almost 100% not going to be a Milwaukee Buck. It's going to be interesting to see where he goes, but that also means they have a little bit more flexibility to go out and try and get someone else. They were in on Chris Paul right after the bubble, apparently. He went off to Phoenix. I don't really know how many other options are out there for the Bucks. I think I don't think they're going to come out of the East with that team. I agree with Rob. I think Miami's a better team. I think Boston could possibly beat them, and depending on what Brooklyn does, they could possibly beat them too. With the Raptors, if they had um, Ibaka and Gasol, I know they can shut down Giannis. Now, I don't know exactly how Baines and they just signed Alex Lynn. I don't know how they're going to do. We'll see. But um, anyone else, what do you guys think about what the Bucks have done and what do you think their chances are? I'm just going to quickly give my thoughts on the Bucks in general as a team. Um, these thoughts have just been consistent with me for the past, I don't know, two years, ever since Giannis just went beast mode um so in my opinion without Giannis like for the Bucks without Giannis 
In my opinion, they're a five seed at best. And the reason why I say that is that in recent years, I've seen that the East has gotten a, a little more competitive with teams like Milwaukee, Boston, Toronto, Miami, especially Miami. You know, ever since, I'm not a bandwagon, but ever since LeBron had his beast days on the Heat, I've just been nonstop watching the Heat. Even their down days with D Wade and they were in that playoff series with Charlotte. I was still watching. Um, but anyways, back to the Bucks. So they're going to be a five seed without Giannis. And I think that if I were to compare them to a team, they would have the same success as a 2020 Nets. Um, seeing some success in the East, however, you know, you're going to get crushed in the playoffs. But I do think that with a team that they have, they'll be able to get a win out of their team. And as long as they have Giannis, they will remain dominant. You know, they will remain as the top dog in the Eastern Conference. And that's all helped to the backbone of their team, which isn't Giannis. I believe that the backbone is their chemistry and their, you know, their defensive and offensive efficiency, efficiency, English, and just their supporting cast, which has just been second to none, in my opinion. You can say everything that you want about the Bucks in the regular season, and it doesn't, it doesn't matter one bit because they never do what they're supposed to do in the playoffs and personally this is my personal opinion I don't think it was the fault of the roster I think the roster itself is perfectly fine and the fact that Toronto had to come back during their championship run from two games to none should tell you that the roster itself is really really good it's the guy in charge in the front of the bench that's the problem coach Bud has he's had a history of not showing that he's able to adjust his game plan to the strengths of the other team. He couldn't do it against Toronto. He couldn't do it against Miami. And frankly, I was shocked that they actually kept them. Like you, you lost in five to a Miami team that even if Miami is good and they can build a wall, your talent, your supposed talent is supposed to, you know, be better than Miami. Chris Middleton is supposed to be this all NBA, all-star level guy that is freaking I think he's overrated. I think he's one of the most overrated players in the league, but that's just my personal opinion. My, my, I guess my beef with Milwaukee is it's the same old, same old every single year. And Drew Holiday is nice. He, they add another little dimension of he's he, he's an upgrade over Eric Bledsoe, like plainly put. But they've lost a lot of their depth. They had to sign DJ Augustine, Bobby Portis. Like I'd rather have George Hill, but you had to give him up to get Drew Holiday. I think it really like the regular season doesn't matter for the Bucks. It's what's going to happen in the playoffs. And the only question is, is coach Bud going to adjust? And if he doesn't adjust, then that could be the end of Giannis in Milwaukee. Um, okay. Let's move this conversation back to LA. We talked about the Lakers um, with the Clippers, the other LA team. I think there's going to be more of a rivalry than there was in the past year. Um, we see that um, with the whole Kawhi against LeBron thing, but then them knocking them out of the playoffs, um, all of that happening. I think that the Clippers needed to build on their front court and their kind of versatility. Adding um, Ibaka to that was a good move. I think Ibaka is going to fit into the locker room um, really well, especially playing on a championship team with Kawhi is going to kind of 
bring that in. I think he fits really well into the team. Um, and of course, we all want to see that Lakers Clippers rivalry. I want to see that happening every single week. Um, and I want to see how that goes down with Ibaka in the mix. Um, I think they really needed to build on their front court. And I think adding um, Ibaka to that mix was a good move. And I think they're winning the free agency with that. Um, anyone else have a take on that one? So I think everything you said is right. But my I biggest, think I think, I think Serge, Serge, Serge is, so there's a difference between better and useful. And I think Serge is probably a more useful player than Montrez and Jermichael Green, who ended up in Denver. The thing with the Clippers is they don't have a point guard. Like Patrick Beverly is cool. Lou Williams is cool. Like they're fine, but they're really lacking in that department. And I think the Clippers kind of bet on the strength of Kawhi and PG to individually create their own shots. And that's good. That's good. We've seen it. We've seen that work in the playoffs. You need to have a dude who can create his own shot in order to win and to be at that next level. But you need someone who can create shots for other guys on the team. And Patrick Beverly and Lou Williams do that to an extent, but they don't do that for everyone. And I think we saw this with the Raptors. You know, the Raptors had the Kawhi offense, and then they had the everyone else offense with Kyle Lowry and Fred and Pascal to a bit, just creating shots for everyone. And that's what we didn't see with the Clippers this year. So the, they kind of missed out on all the good point guards that were available. They probably couldn't have traded for CP3. The money just wasn't going to work out. Ricky Rubio got traded to Minnesota. I have no idea why the Clippers couldn't have made an offer for him uh Fred they couldn't afford they didn't make a move on the margins to really help that spot out and I think it's kind of going to be the same old same old with the Clippers I don't think it was in a it was an embarrassment that they blew a 3-1 lead it was an embarrassment and I'm not going to say they're going to blow a 3-1 lead again but we kind of saw that in the playoffs, that they don't have someone to create shots for the other dudes on the team. Even though you have Kawhi and even though you have PG, it's a team sport. And the top of the guys matter, but the rest of the dudes who are playing matter as well. Yeah, speaking about the Clippers kind of lack at point guard, I'm surprised that they weren't able to secure Rondo. Rondo would have been a perfect player for that team, great playmaker. And like you said, be able to create for other players on the team because – Let's be real, Kawhi and Paul George, they can't really create for other players on the team like someone like Rondo can, but they're better scorers, obviously. I think Rondo would have been a perfect pick. I'm surprised they didn't pick him up. And, yeah, they didn't have money for Van Vliet. And now they're kind of looking shaky there. So I don't know how that's going to affect them going into this. Like, they'll still be a really good team this season, but going into the playoffs, I don't know how that will affect them. We'll see, I guess. But, yeah. So with me regarding the Clippers, yeah, I totally agree with everyone else in terms of them needing a shot creator. Um, what I've seen from Kawhi and Paul George, again, is extremely disappointing, to say the least. Um, I know everyone likes to slander Paul George, but during his Indiana and OKC days, he was one of my favorite players. The fact that he was also an MVP finalist a couple years back was also, you know, a defining moment in his career. But ever since then, it's just been downhill. 
Kawhi, you know, Kawhi's just going to be a Kawhi. He's going to be one of the a top three player in the league, and he's going to do his thing every night. Um, but a little sidetrack from the Clippers, seeing the success that PG and Kawhi had this year, I think that might translate really well to how KD and Kyrie are going to do this year. I know that's an extremely cold take to some, but in my opinion, you can't just expect two stars to immediately click no matter how many times they've played on the national team together, no matter how many times they've played on the all-star team together. I think that, you know, Flat Earth Kyrie and ACL Terra KD, I don't think they might do it all this season. I think that, you know, they'll have some success. They'll have enough success to be satisfied. But in my opinion, they won't go past a third seed, in my opinion. Everyone's everyone's counting out the Nets, and I think that there's precedent to do so. You know, the Nets, they were a good seventh seed with good young talent, similar to the Clippers. The Nets have been rebuilding for a few years, similar to the Clippers, and they add these two uh, stars out of nowhere, similar to Paul George and Kawhi being just dropped into the Clippers. And I think there's a little bit of a difference, though. I think that the issue with the Clippers is they had issues with their team. They were too wing-heavy. They did not have a point guard, and they didn't have a rim protector. When you look at the Celtics, uh, not the Celtics, the Nets, top to bottom, they're a very well-constructed team. They have shooting. They have rim protection. They have playmaking. They have a bench. And they have the greatest scorer of all time in Kevin Durant. And as long as KD is just 80% of himself, I think that the Nets have a very good chance of coming out of the East. As long as Kyrie doesn't sidetrack things because as the last few years have indicated Kyrie can have a tendency to do that and you know they have a rookie head coach so who knows how that could go but in terms of the talent and in terms of how the team fits like if you're just looking at the team top to bottom I think it's the best team in the east uh, assuming KD is at least 80 to 90 percent of what he was but I mean that's a bold assumption because it's an Achilles but you know KD's game was never relying on athleticism he's always going to have that jump shot and that height so I think the Nets are being heavily underrated. And in terms of the Clippers, um, they, they resolved a little bit of their problem. I think Serge is a better rim protector than Zubak. And I think that Serge is an upgrade from Montrez Harrell because he can actually shoot and play defense unlike Montrez Harrell. But the Clippers do need a playmaker. Rondo would have been absolutely perfect because he brings that championship pedigree that defense that playmaking that the Clippers need the Clippers have everything else at this point they have shooting they have shot creating they have you know decent room protection they really just are lacking a point guard so if, if they can you know find a point guard to trade for one I think that they would probably be a first or second best team in the west I don't I'm not sure I want to put them over the, the Lakers just yet yeah um it's gonna be interesting to see what they do i don't think they're getting out of the West. I think my boy from Kitchener, Jamal Murray, is still going to cook that team in the playoffs. Nikolai Jokic, you know how we roll. But, um, yeah, they got a new coach in Ty Lue. He was obviously on the bench. As an assistant, Doc Rivers flew out to Philly because he loves Meek Mill. But, um, yeah, let's talk a little bit about Sam Presti and his love for first-round picks. I'm convinced this guy might trade his family for first-round picks if he had the opportunity. So what do you guys think about what the Clippers – not the Clippers, the Thunder have been doing and how they own every first-round pick until 2064? You know, after they've uh, separated ways with Chris Paul, um, which in my opinion was a shocker to me because I thought Chris Paul would, you know – 
have a little bit of a run with OKC, seeing how they did last season. But uh, the fact that Sam Presti, where he worked all that magic, and he got, I can't even tell you how many number one, or sorry, not number one, sorry, uh, first round picks that he got. I can tell you the exact number, but all I can tell you is Sam Presti just made a name for himself as you know, a, a premier GM in the league. And I think that OKC's future is extremely bright. It's looking very bright. And I can see them finishing, um, you know, top eight, even top five within the next five years. That's my take. See, I think, I think Sam Presti is what everyone thinks uh, Sam Hinkie was for the uh, Philadelphia 76ers, except this dude's just on like steroids. Like he's going in with these first round picks. And I honestly believe that if this was the year to kind of tank and get a guy, get us like a transcendent guy that you were looking for as a franchise, this is the year to do it because I believe, I believe that every team in the West, except for now, except for now, uh, OKC and probably Minnesota, you can make arguments for other teams as well, can reasonably say like, you know, if things go our way, like we could make the playoffs. I think a lot of teams in the West could say that. Some have better chances than others, but I think they have to be like, this is the year we're going to go in. So to take a step back and kind of go the other way and not compete and put together this young team to see what you have, you know, Shea, Darius Baisley, Lou Dort, like this is a super young team. I think this was the year to kind of be like, you know what? We don't need to make the playoffs this year. Let's save some money. Let's kind of get, you know, the number one pick in the draft and see what happens. I Cade Cunningham, like there's plenty of good guys that are going to come out in 2021. And they're like, you know what? We're fine on the playoffs. We've been there. We've done that. We know what this team looks like in the playoffs. So let's take a step back and get a really good guy out of it. Quinn Hughes with the take. I just want to say this up in the chat. I call for anyone listening who doesn't understand every time I say Quinn Hughes. I'm talking about Robert. His last name is Quinn. I met Robert today. Nice to meet you, Rob. Nice to meet you. Okay. So Robert's name is Robert Quinn. I think he looks like Quinn Hughes. I call him Quinn Hughes. That's just a uh, he good looking guy too. It's a good compliment. I'll, I'll take it. I'll take it. Okay. Okay. Like I call him Quinn Hughes. Now, every time any of you listen to the podcast, please keep listening. I know my voice is annoying, but keep listening. We're great. I swear. Um, but every time I say Quinn Hughes, I'm talking about Robert. That's our thing now, Rob. I'm going to call you Quinn Hughes. Um, yeah, make, sure, make sure you see Robert's brand new article. It should be out by the time this episode is live. It's his debut article on the Intermission Sports and his first ever journalism article, if I'm correct. It's about James Wiseman and the second overall pick that's going to the Golden State Warriors because that is Rob, a.k.a. newly termed Quinn Hughes' favorite team in the NBA. Okay, well, Quinn Hughes has a take. Quinn Hughes says Sam Presti sold his soul for eighth graders. That, that reminded me of when Dwayne Wade, I believe it was, got traded for a 12-year-old. Um, yeah, it's uh, – Alex is holding up his Wade jersey right now. Alex is from Florida. Um, he won't let anyone forget that he's from Florida. Um, he's a huge uh, Heat fan and, might I say, slightly bandwagon Raptors fan just – because he goes to school in Toronto. Um, but like Sam Presti um, really sold uh, his soul for eighth graders. 
he's gonna keep doing that I think that's my my take that's all I'll say about the matter he's gonna keep doing that and he has uh he has this affinity I will say for wanting first round picks all the way till 2064 um I think it's like how I said that the Raptors didn't have 2020 vision um but they had 2021 vision well OKC has 2064 vision like they're just gonna keep building up with first round picks up until 2064 and that's when they're gonna go crazy um at that point I feel like Russ is gonna be the head coach and they're gonna bring in KD to be the president um there is gonna be televised there's gonna be a reunion all these things are gonna happen it's gonna be the greatest reality tv show any of us have ever seen that's all I have to say um as, as much as I love that uh do a bandwagon shout out I'd like you all to know I am dual citizen so I'm also Canadian and I've been watching the Raptors since we had Andre Bargnani and Jose Calderon so just putting that out there when pasta when uh, it's how pasta was ripping threes being a stretch big you know I was out here just just letting that know Alex I'm a, I'm a dual citizen too I'm a dual citizen of Pakistan so I could say that every time Pakistan doesn't win the Cricket World Cup, but they come this close to it. I support that. Uh, don't don't get us started on cricket because I'm we're gonna go off on cricket, you know. But that's another okay, pod. Maybe that's another podcast episode. I'm brown. Cricket, um, the Alex, Alex, brown. Alex I'm is brown. Three fourths brown. Yeah. Alex is three fourths brown. I'm brown. We could go on about this. Even if you don't watch cricket, you're if you're brown you like cricket even if you hate it you like it so if you're brown and cricket's on the tv you have to watch it that's just the that's like you know how they have like rules like like when you're in fight club you don't talk about fight club it's like when you're brown and cricket's on you just have to watch it but let's let's hop into the next topic yeah so leading into the next topic which is let me talk quickly about since i'm a bandwagon let's talk about the miami heat so me and Rob, you know, we rep Broward County, 954, hold it down. Kodak Black, Pembroke Pines, you know, you know how we roll. Man used to pull up. Antonio Brown pulled up to our high school. Never forget that. He pulled up to Rob, the lacrosse there, game. Rob knows what's cooking. But um, yeah, let's talk about the Miami Heat. A couple of weeks, a couple months ago on an intermission podcast that we are never going to release because I'm too lazy to edit it. And then it's our, so much has happened in between then. I said the Heat were going to make the finals. A lot of signings have happened. I still think we might. But how do you guys think the defending Eastern Conference champions are going to do this year? It's it's going to come down to matchups in the East because if you look at the top four, the talent is there. I think the top four teams are going to be Boston, Milwaukee, the Brooklyn, and Miami. With Philly as a fifth, you know, Indiana is probably going to be the sixth or so. But it really just comes down to matchups because – if Milwaukee matches up with Boston, I think Milwaukee could win because Boston does not have a rim protector to stop. Um, oh, and Toronto too. They'll, they'll probably be in like the top six or so, Toronto. And but I don't. It all comes down to matchups. So if Milwaukee runs into the Celtics in the second round, I would probably pick Milwaukee to win that series because the Celtics don't really have anyone. They lost. Um, they didn't lose, but they signed Tristan Thompson, who's not a rim protector. 
he got out rebounded by Steph Curry in the 2017 and 2018 finals. So he's not really helping them on that front, but I don't, so it comes down to matchups. So if the Nets play the heat, I would probably pick the Nets, but if the Nets play, you know, the, the Celtics, maybe the Celtics could pull it out because they have more shot creators that the Nets aren't ready for. So I think it comes down to matchups, but my pick is a heat Brooklyn Eastern conference finals. And I do not have a pick as to who's going to win it yet because I just want to see what team, what moves are made until the end of free agency. But right now, that's my Eastern Conference final outlook. Um, just a little bit about the Heat. Well, first of all, as we know, Kodak Black is from Pembroke Pines. I had a couple boys on my hockey team pull up to a flex, and guess who was there? Kodak Black was there at a high school party. Well, they were seniors, but like that's a little. Funny fact. Also, someone I know saw him getting arrested, so that's also very interesting. But um, yeah, the Heat signed Avery Bradley. I know that uh, Don mentioned it earlier off off the record that that's a good signing. And wow, I'm getting absolutely dissed in the chat right now. Drew said we get it, Alex. You're from Florida. That really hurts. But um, you know, me and Rob are gonna hold it down. Okay, you're gonna think I'm crazy. DJ Khaled used to live in my neighborhood, not when I lived there. It was like 15 years before I lived there. He lived in the house behind mine to the left. And there's a YouTube video that I'm going to send to the intermission chat of him in that neighborhood. So you guys don't think I'm crazy. But I do think that the Heat are still going to be contending for the East. Um, I think they kept their cards open for 2021. And that's why they didn't go for Jay Crowder extension. That's why they didn't bring back Derek Jones Jr. Yes, Alex is from Florida. Thank you very much. I was going to ask, but, uh, Alex, are you from Florida? I didn't. I don't think you've mentioned yet. Are you from Florida? I just want to clear it up for everyone who doesn't know you. I'm actually or the one. Everyone from who does know you, too, I, I are think, you from Florida? I think. I think Rob's the one from Florida, and I'm just kind of like a journeyman. I'm Ryan Fitzpatrick. I'm kind of just yeah. hopping between city to city. I don't even have a birth certificate, so no one really knows where I'm from. But um, what do you like? Alex is. No, from- you you turned on your home city. You're like Tyler Hero. <laughs> Tyler Hero hates Wisconsin. Can I just say that? They hate quick? him. They hate him. Tyler Hero went. Tyler Hero committed to Wisconsin, said, nah, we're going to go to Kentucky, become a one and done, go to Miami, go absolutely ballistic, um, date a supermodel, and then get name dropped in a Jack Harlow song. So I wish I was Tyler Hero. They wanted him to be, they wanted him to be Kuz, but he was Tyler Hero. Oh my, please don't tell me you think Kuzma is better than Tyler Hero. No, I just, think, I just think he reps his city, Flint, Michigan, okay, and he's dating a supermodel still. I mean, it's funny how Kuzma and Hero dated the same girl. Well, I don't know if Kuzma dated her, but they were like a thing at one yeah. point, thing, and then they matched up like in the finals, which is just hilarious to me. So basically, so basically, Alex, Alex just wants to be a basketball player who dates a supermodel. Who, Maybe. who doesn't want that? Who Maybe doesn't not. want that? I don't know. Yeah, that's the <laughs> Apparently, that's Alex the doesn't want it. <laughs> okay, of course I want. Alex wants I to be a journey. He know, wants to be a journeyman. I want to be. I want to be a journalist. Shout out to Ryerson University for accepting me and letting me come to Toronto so I can continue my journeyman journey. He just he, thank you at Ryerson J School for accepting Alex into your program so that he could shout, come to Toronto. Shout out Lisa Taylor and Sally Goldberg and Janice Neal. We're holding it down for you. Journeyman gets paid. 
journeyman is really just a bandwagon i will say i'm here for the alex slander okay like <laughs> i'm allowed he's my son alex reps toronto okay just so you know Dua, Dua and donald are both third years and they have taken me under their wing as their journalism son so i'm very excited to to just learn under my new parents i um actually i just want to put it out there I am Alex's OG mother since Frosh. I took him under my wing at Frosh a year and a half ago. When things Never forget like- when I wrote Marner for 10 on the on the shirt and then Marner signed for like 10 million. Alex that's, called that's it, Mar- it Marner, Marner signed for 10 million only because Alex told him to. Forget Elliot Friedman, forget Bob McKenzie. Whoever's listening to this, just know Alex Baumgartner, August 2018, 2019, wrote on his um, fake news Frost shirt that Marner for 10 was going to happen. And then Dua saw it. And there is proof that I did that. Yeah. I don't know how far you're going to go with me and Dua, like teaching you the ropes. I mean, I, I'm hoping out for you, buddy, but we'll, we'll see. Yeah. Going back to Miami. I think, I think Miami, like Toronto, like Dallas, like name any team that has cap space in 2021. It's just holding that for whoever they're going to try and get in 2021. And it was probably smart. It's probably a smart idea. Like, I would say, you know, if Giannis does leave, Miami's probably the number one destination. Just given the location, given the money, given the team, like, it's really hard to pass that up. And that's coming from a Raptors fan. I think Miami would be number one. But you know what? I'm going to talk about Jay Crowder a little bit. It sucks losing Jay Crowder because Jay Crowder brought this edge, this shooter. You know, he really caught fire in the bubble, and Jay Crowder can be a dude who shoots, like, 40% on seven attempts for, like, 20 games and then shoot, like, 30% on, like, 10 attempts for, like, 15 games. You never know what you're going to get with Jay Crowder, but when he was with Miami, he was on. And, you know, Mo Harkless, it's a fine replacement. He doesn't have that spark like Jay Crowder does. He also doesn't have that positional flexibility. He's not really a good defender of fours, and that's why Jay Crowder is really good defending at threes and fours. I think he's a Moharko is just a little too small for that. So that losing him sucks, but you know the dude that they drafted at 20 precious, like from Kentucky, you know, that's fine. That's a fine replacement. He's gonna play with Bam, like will probably be the most one of the most athletic front courts in the league. Like Miami's doing fine with what they have and they're gonna do Miami things, find dudes that no one's talking about. We talk about Toronto having this great system. I think Miami's probably had a better system too. Like, they're up there. They've been doing it for a long time as well. You know, Miami will be fine. They'll maybe second round, third round, maybe the finals, maybe again. You never know with Miami. It's just just like Rob said, it comes down to the matchups. Don't get Alex excited with the Miami to the finals again. You know, I have two Miami Heat finals hats, and I'm more than willing to show everyone on camera it after the podcast. But, um, yeah, let's hop right into, like, let's just do one more team before we get into our finals takes and a little wrap-up. I vote we for the Suns. It's going to be the Phoenix Suns. Unfortunately, they lost the main man, Kelly Oubre. All the, all the Tumblr girls are very upset at that one. Unfortunately. I think about he's Phoenix. a warrior. Unfortunately, Pretty Boy Fredo, I mean, Pretty Boy Oubre is heading over to the bay what's going on in phoenix he's gonna get all the models in the bay 
Phoenix is a seventh seed, in my opinion. I think that Phoenix is kind of like the Hawks in the sense that they have like a nice young core, but really just haven't been able to get it together last few years. I think Devin Booker makes that next step with someone who can create plays for him, as well as DeAndre Ayton in the pick and roll with Chris Paul. I think that they're perfect complements for each other. Jay Crowder is a perfect signing for them. He's exactly what they need, 3 and D, because they have enough playmakers and scorers already. They just need someone to space the floor and knock down open shots and play defense. Um, losing Kelly Oubre was significant, but he was. this is the last year of his deal, and he's probably going to be asking for money, and who knows if Phoenix was willing to pay him or not. But I think that going with Chris Paul for a year or two will really maximize Devin Booker's potential, even if Chris Paul isn't the same player that he was. I think he's always going to have that basketball IQ and leadership that a young team could always use. Uh, I have Phoenix as a seventh seed going into next season. I think at the worst, they could be like a 10th seed, which would get them into the play-in game, as you guys know is going to be happening next year. So I think Phoenix will probably make the playoffs. If not, it will be kind of disappointing because they did trade away, you know, Kelly Oubre and some picks to get Chris Paul. So it'll be a little bit disappointing, but I expect Devin Booker and DeAndre Ayton to take that next step with Chris Paul, who's a legitimate leader, veteran point guard, can get them in their rhythm. I think that with the addition of uh, Chris Paul, I think that Phoenix can really make some noise within the Western Conference. You know, despite how competitive it is and how scary it might seem for that Phoenix team, I think that Chris Paul and Devin Booker have what it takes to push this team to an eight seed. And maybe Rob said, you know, like a seven seed. I think they that's like a good ceiling for them. And regarding Ubre's departure, yes, he did help them on the offensive side a little bit. But in my opinion, Losing him didn't really hurt the Suns that much. I think that with the team they have now, they didn't, they wouldn't really need Ubre. I think with, with, even with Ubre, they'd make the same progress as they would, you know, with him. Like I said, but um, my take on the Suns: the Suns have always been a really fun team to watch, no matter how bad the record was. I've always, you know, tuned into a Suns game. Why not? Watch my book. Watch my boy D book. Let it fly from three. But, yeah, seven, eight seed for the Suns this year. And uh, if they can channel Bubble Suns mode in the playoffs, we might catch them in the second round. But I'm joking. They'll get first round exit. Um, yeah, you know, I think the play-in is going to be really interesting to see what happens. Um, obviously, Phoenix went, I think, undefeated in the bubble, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. But, um. Yeah, so I think that um, Phoenix could make a run, but like Drew said, it looks like they're looking like a first-round exit. Um, let's hop right into the predictions. Who do you guys think is going to win the East, the West, and ultimately the Larry O'Brien Trophy? I can hop in. Um, in the West, I think we probably go with um, we go with the Lakers. I think it's really hard to to see them not repeating with the moves that they made. You know, we've said this before. Dennis, Wesley Matthews, uh, Marcus Gasol, Montrez Harrell, all really good additions to an already championship team. The East is a little bit murkier. You don't know. Can you take Milwaukee's kind of fumble into consideration? Can you take what people thought was a Miami overachieving season into consideration? I don't know. Um, my gut says probably Milwaukee but that's giving a lot of credit 
for something they haven't deserved entirely yet. You're really hoping on Bud, like I said, really hoping on Bud to make those adjustments. And I feel like if that's the adjustment they can make and the talent is good, there shouldn't be a reason why they shouldn't be in the finals. All right. In the West, um, I think the Lakers are the obvious pick, as much as I don't want to say it, because I'm not really a Lakers fan. Um, I just I don't really agree. I don't really think that they're deserving of everything. They've drafted awfully and were kind of just bailed out by LeBron loving L.A. So I'm not a Lakers fan, but I think they have the most talent uh, of any team actually in the West. I think the Nuggets are going to give everyone problems. Losing Grant kind of sucks, but I think Michael Porter Jr., Jokic, and Murray take another step. So I think the Nuggets will be in the mix. Uh, the Clippers will be right there. I think if the Clippers play the Lakers in a series, I would not be surprised if the Clippers win that series because this past year, like a lot of Lakers fans are just writing off the Clippers as if the Clippers didn't give them the most trouble of any team. Like LeBron played awfully in those Clippers games, and the Clippers were 2-2 two and two for the season. Um, and all those games were pretty close, but the Clippers, they match up really well with the Lakers. Kawhi, Paul George, uh, Morris, they, they just gave the Lakers a lot of problems. So if they match up with the Lakers, I would feel confident saying the Clippers would win. I mean, a lot of people count them out because they choke, but, you know, I've seen what overreacting to choke, choke, choking does. Like, you know, when KD blew a 3-1 lead, everyone's like, oh, KD's a choker. And then the next year he comes back and averages 35 in the finals. And then, I, oh, Steph's a choker, and the next year he comes back, averages like 28 in the finals, and they win. And after LeBron in 2011, oh, LeBron's a choker, and the next year, you know, he just goes off and in that game six at Boston, beats the Thunder in five. So I don't want to overreact because I think Kawhi is still a great player. So I wouldn't rule the Clippers out. And in the East, I think it all just depends on Kevin Durant. If Kevin Durant is 90% of what he was, I feel very confident picking the Nets. If KD is not, which would be so unfortunate because he's like my second favorite player, uh, of all time, I would be very disappointed. But I think the Heat, depending on matchups, would probably have the best chances then. For my uh, Larry Obi matchup, I have actually the same um, same matchup as last year, Lakers-Heat. I think the Lakers have done what they need to do to uh, make this year's finals and possibly win it all. Um, regarding Miami, again, second favorite team in the East for me. Um, well, obviously the favorite to win it all in the East, but in terms of favoritism, you know, Raptors always got to be first and Heat second. But I think that, you know, Lakers are still going to win it all. Um, I actually have some noisemakers in each conference. So for the West, I have the Clippers, Mavericks, and Nuggets making some noise. We've seen what the Nuggets can do. Multiple 3-1 leads just decapitated by the Nuggets. We've seen what Luka Magic can do with the addition, not with the addition, they've already been together, but Luka and Porzingis, I think they can make, make some noise in this year's playoffs. Um, and regarding the East, their noisemakers are the Celtics, the Bucks, and the Nets. I'm really excited, but also really doubtful of the, of the Nets. Um, I'd love to see what the Celtics, Celtics can do. I think they're truly a premier premier team in the east no matter how much i hate on them and i know my buddy ryan diehard celtics fan but for me celtics are just a team that you love to hate and uh a little break but i can see alex is rocking the ninja headband too shout out to De'Aaron fox sending that supermax um 
Yeah, so noisemakers for me in the East, Brooklyn, Milwaukee, Boston. And it's a Lakers Heat Finals and Lakers will win the chip in six. So Katie's playing, right? Yeah. Regardless of that, as much as I give, as much as I give. Don't do it. I swear to I won't. Okay, no, you're going to You Raptors fans love KD's Achilles tearing. (laughs) No, okay. I will say right now, I'm I'm a low-key KD hater. I think he's overrated. Um, But Alex is dying in my take. But here's the thing. Here's my thing, though. Um, as much as I like to hate on Alex for his obsession with Miami, we get it, Alex, you're from Florida. As much as I like to hate on him, he, he's not wrong with that. Like, (laughs) I love the Raptors. I've been a Raptors fan since the, uh, good old day that my family immigrated to this lovely country of Canada. Um, I love the Raptors. 2020, 2021 season is not their year. As much as I want to see a finals with the Lakers and the Raptors, and I think that'll happen one day. It's not going to happen this year. I'm going to give it to Alex with this one and throw up the Miami and Lakers um, matchup for the finals. Uh, I want to see that happen. Alex wants to see it happen. Drew wants to see it happen. I'm going to convince Quinn Hughes to want to see it happen. No, I do want it. I I support the Heat. Like, I'm from South Florida. It's kind of hard to not support the Heat down here. Pines, you know, me and Rob. I didn't know know you were from Florida. Me and Rob, West Broward High School. Okay, but thank you for clearing it up. Because clearly... One of these Florida boys knows how to act, and it's not Alex. Okay, like this man will shut up about being from Florida. We, you get know, it. you know, I really don't like the, I don't really like the hate Nua. I'm muted right now. I'm just jumping up and down, so excited that my Heat aren't being over overlooked or underlooked, whatever the word is. Um, let me just get right into my pick. So obviously, me and Rob, we got that Broward County connection, nine five four West Broward. Shout out Principal for two. Anyways, um, yeah, but on a serious note, I think the Nets, depending on if – I don't know if they're going to get Harden. There's a lot of talk they'll get Harden. Even if they get him, which I don't think it's going to happen, it's going to be interesting to see how him and Kyrie are going to mesh because I saw a video today and Kyrie got absolutely cooked by James Harden. But anyways, I'm going to stick to my prediction I made last year where it was Miami going against the Lakers – and unfortunately, the Lakers look like they're going to take it unless the Heat can make one more move. I think if they make one, the Kendrick Nunn trade, and when Kendrick Nunn gets traded, because you know the godfather, Pat Riley, has something cooking, because 29 other GMs in the NBA think Kendrick Nunn is something that he's not, and that's the second-best rookie last year, because he isn't. He's not even the second-best. He's not even the third-best player on his team that's played under 100 games. That goes to Tyler Hero and Duncan Robinson. It's going to be Heat versus Lakers final. Not going to say the Lakers are going to win. Not going to say the Heat are going to win because we're just getting started. The NBA season hasn't started. Who's going to win, Alex? If both of them don't win and they're in the finals. 
Alex okay, is going to win the Somebody's going to win. After Kendrick Nunn gets traded, because I'm going to put my word that Kendrick Nunn is getting traded, I will come back on the intermission and tell you who's going to win. Right now, it's the Lakers. And that's not biased because I'm a Heat fan. Right now, it's the Lakers. And I predicted last year in January, and Drew can attest to this, in the Venn at the RCC, me and Joseph Casciaro from the intermission sports, when everyone was saying Raptors, we said, keep in mind, in January – Heat Lakers final. Joseph said the Lakers. I said the Heat because I was being biased. I'm not being biased now. Lakers right now have the better team, but Pat Riley ain't done, baby. And with that being said, it's gonna be Heat Lakers final. As much as you know I who, to- you know who ain't leaving though, Coach UD for the long run, baby. Let's go. As much as I like, don't to- get me started on Udonis Haslam. Hold That's it down for the culture. This is Southwest Ranches. We know who holds it down. UD40. He owns half the Panera Breads in Carroll City. Don't talk about Udonis Haslam. Excuse me, Alex. The best bodyguard in the league. Alex, I have a question for you. Are you from Florida? On January 12, 2001, at Memorial West Hospital in Pembroke Pines, Florida, the, the founder, your favorite, the founder of the intermission sports, Alexander Baumgartner, Michael, if you want a middle name, was born. He's the three four in Pembroke Pines, Florida. Name I've ever heard. Okay. Wait, wait. What'd you say? I the said he's the three fourths round kid with the with the whitest name I've ever heard. I'm the three. Okay, so let's just get this out there. I am three fourths brown. My nanny's from India. My dad's from Switzerland. His dad's from Switzerland. My mom's from Trinidad, but she's also from Indian descent. So we're just going to round that baby up to about three-fourths. And okay, I round myself, too. <laughs> okay. I, rhyme, but, I round myself to half and half. To half and half. Yes. But, um, yeah, you know, this has been an extremely fun podcast. I'm so happy that everyone joined us. Obviously, Drew, Rob, Dua, and Thomas are all from the intermission. Maybe Quinn we can- Hughes! Maybe recruit donald but really appreciate don for coming on um amazing expertise on the nba by all of you this has been the intermission podcast and i fell in love with the doty i fell in love with the rolling wake up and pray every morning demons they call in my soul i say fuck all of you hoes i'm balling out of control